0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the yard. Hope it is a payday for you. Hope that you're able to celebrate Maroon Friday as you choose. Isn't it wonderful that we live in a country that we can do such things? We can rep our favorite college program. And we've got a lot to feel proud about these days as your Mississippi State Bulldogs are already in Omaha, already have had a practice, already have done some of their ESPN pre-production type stuff, you know, for the broadcast. we have got all the little, little video stuff. You've seen that stuff on social media. So that's all done. Now we'll get down to business here in the next couple days. They'll have the the opening Friday. Now, Robbie Falk will be there to cover for us on Friday. Dave Murray and I are both traveling independently on Friday. And so we'll be there to cover the rest of the weekend and, and really get into this whole thing. And and uh, listen, I'm a, I am a person – that uh, is optimistic by nature so i have packed for the full two weeks okay i'm i'm not planning to go down and wash clothes okay so uh, i am packed for the full two weeks i am optimistic mississippi state is going to play baseball for a long time and and i'll tell you as as i feel right now here today i believe mississippi state will play for a national championship that's how i feel today i might feel differently come monday but that's how i feel today i want to remind you that you can get the mississippi state College World Series shirts at Campus Bookmark. Stand the man, Miss Kathy, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody there will treat you like family because you are family. They're going to hook you up. And you know what? If you can't make it to town to see their smiling faces, you can get the same level of great service by going to campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we're going to save you a little cash. We'll give you a phrase that pays. That phrase is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will get you free shipping on all orders, over $50. And you're going, want, you're going to want to outfit the family in those World Series shirts. And you, I'll tell you this, I hope that you guys begin to get a collection of these World Series shirts because I think we're going to go to Omaha with a lot more regularity. I think we're going to be back next year. How about that? Here's a hot take for you. I think we're back next year. I think we're right back in contention uh, in the SEC race next year. I think we're hosting next year. But before we get to next year, we've got this year to deal with. And so make sure, make sure you go ahead and get those shirts and, uh, and be a part of that. I'm, I'm excited. By the time many of you listen to this, I will be uh, somewhere between Stark Vegas and Omaha, Nebraska. I, I will be uh, spending the day traveling and uh, look forward to getting out there. I have never covered the College World Series. I've never been to the state of Nebraska. Been to Oklahoma a few times. Never been to Nebraska. Looking forward to making the trip. Uh, excited to be out there and cover all that and uh, we're, we're going to bring you on coverage we're going to have three reporters there doing our best to kind of capture it all for you guys uh, for those of you that can't make the trip we're going to do what we can to kind of bring the trip to you so uh, we're going to get into this today and we're going to talk about Auburn we're going to talk about what to expect uh, this Auburn team playing well but it's one of those things, and, it's, and uh, Chris Lemonis I think, said it best early this week when he said, you know, right now everybody feels like they're hot. Everybody feels like a team of destiny. Nobody feels like they limped in. Nobody feels like they're lucky to be there. Everybody feels like they're playing their best baseball this time of year. And uh, one, one could make an argument that, uh, you know, that perhaps uh, – Auburn is playing their baseball. They've gotten hot late because they were not hot prior to this. They were 4 and 6, the final 10 regular season games of the season, 4 and 6. 4 and 6 had a chance to play their way into uh, possibly a hosting opportunity. Absolutely blew that. Absolutely blew it. Had a chance to do it. Couldn't pull it off. That blew that series at LSU and really gave LSU their opportunity to host. Auburn just didn't take care of business. It's, it's as simple as that. They did not. They did not take care of business. You know, matter of fact, if you go back and look, you know, that they lose their last two SEC series, uh, one of those at home, one on the road. It just—it was not a good finishing stretch, you know, for Auburn. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that their pit—they had some injuries to the pitching staff. Really, really up and down this year. Has some very capable pitchers, but uh, health has been a real issue much of the year. And that's really not the, the book on Butch Thompson. He's a guy that's really big on arm care and taking care of his guys. They've just really had some bad luck at Auburn. Uh, they win a game at Hoover. They beat Tennessee five three, lose the next two. No, no real. And we talked about this on uh, on Wednesday show. Nothing to really gain there. I, I guess they could have played their way into the final maybe, and then had an opportunity to host. I, I just think with their RPI where it was, it's going to be almost impossible for Auburn to host. But uh, they get in there and they do go one and two and get onto the house. But they figure some things out. They figure some things out, and they they sweep through the regional at Georgia Tech. And then, of course, they uh, they win two of three at North Carolina. One of the things I wanted to point out to you guys, when we talk about everybody's hot, and that really, you know, everybody's won their way in, but there are only two teams that have swept their way through the NCAA tournament. Your Mississippi State Bulldogs are one. Florida State is the other. So six of the other eight teams in Omaha have faced elimination at some point during the NCAA tournament. Mississippi State, Florida State, the only two uh, not to hold uh, a share of that distinction. And so you got to feel like you're playing pretty well. It's one of those things, too, you begin to ask yourself, too, okay, well what happens when you do face some adversity? Uh, I'll, I will share with you my interactions with the team this week. There is just simply a different look in their eyes. Last year, there was almost this look of bewilderment. This year, it's it's almost like... And again, I said it's on Wednesday's show, it doesn't look like a look of finality. It looks like, okay, we're right back where we expected to be. We changed coaches. We, you know, we got a guy in. We changed you know philosophies. We brought in a new pitching coach. A lot changed. But yet, here we are. The results are the same. Only, uh, what was it say? Uh, what did John Bon Jovi say? It's all the same. Only the names have changed. You know, that, that, that could really be the motto for Mississippi State Baseball. We can change coaches. We can change the roster. We can turn some things over, but the expectations are the same. And as we've seen the last four years, uh, with good leadership, that we've been able to play deeper into the postseason. And now here we are ready to go play for a national championship. And so when you begin to look at this this whole thing with Auburn, again, I mentioned they weren't especially hot down down the final ten games of the regular season and even into the SEC tournament, but they have found something in the NCAA regionals. Now, one of the things I want to get into here – is Auburn has found some offense, but I think a lot of that is a byproduct of the pitching staffs they have faced. They're going to face a really good one this Sunday night. They're going to face the National Pitcher of the Year in Ethan Small, and they're going to pitch a very well-rested and accomplished bullpen. So it's going to be a lot different than what they have seen the past two weekends. But let me just run some numbers here for you because uh, I I did – did pull up some box scores and kind of check some things out for you because I wanted to see who was hot for Auburn in the postseason. When I mean postseason, in the NCAA tournament. So uh, several guys here, and it's a pretty even distribution of hits in the lineup. Everybody in the lineup through five games in a tournament, with the exception of two players, have seven hits or more. There hasn't been one guy that's just been lights out, not just one guy in the lineup that you can pitch around. They're, for the most part, putting the ball in play. Uh, And and that's a big part of things this time of year. You've got to be able to get production out of the bottom third of the order, and they've, they've been able to do that. One of the things, too, that's very interesting, and it's very similar to what Mississippi State has done, is that they have played with the same nine in the lineup in the NCAA tournament. There hadn't been a lot of shuffling. There hadn't been guys that have been sitting in there, but there's just some guys that have really struggled offensively, a couple of guys especially, but they they have not moved them around. Uh, But looking here uh, at what we have, uh, Judd Ward, left fielder for them, uh, 8 of 26 here uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Ryan Bliss is an impressive freshman, plays second base for the Tigers. He's 11 for 27, actually leads them in hits in the NCAA tournament. Again, that's a freshman, second baseman. Uh, and so that's something to consider, number two, two-hole hitter for them. You like to have a guy hitting two-hole that's that's going to put the ball in play. You know what I'm saying? You can hit and run with that guy. You can bunt with him. But he's a guy that's had some real production. Now, Connor Davis has been a bit up and down. He's been a, That's kind of the life and times of a three-hole hitter. But Connor Davis is a guy that uh, has had some good ball games and has had some very bad ones. He had a couple of hitless games uh, in the regional, had a, a good super regional, a couple of hits in each game. Uh, 7 for 27 in the postseason for Connor. Uh, Will Holland has kind of been their guy. He's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde guy, too. He's just one of those guys that uh, some days you see him out there and you kind of scratch your head, and the next day he you know he looks like, you know, Royce Clayton or somebody out there. He looks like a guy that could be a pro. Uh, but Will Holland is uh, 7 for 21. A guy that just simply finds his way on base. He's hit some in the in the four-hole. just because of the fact that he's been so productive. But, again, he's kind of up and down. The, uh, the five-hole hitter, and they've moved him down some in the Super Regional, but the catcher, Matt Shuffler, he has really, really struggled uh, here in the NCAA tournament, just three of 25, three of 25. And one of those hits came against Coastal Carolina. Yeah, so since that first game in the Regional, he has been able to produce just two hits. Uh, so that, that's kind of a dead, it, that's a dead spot in the order right now. Uh, behind him has been uh, Edward Julian, and, and it seemed like he's been there forever. But it's not; he's just a sophomore. I mean, it, it's there's a lot of youth in this lineup. I mean, a lot of these guys that are going to Omaha for the first time will be back next year. They'll get a taste in their mouth, and I, you know, Auburn's going to be a good team next year, especially if they can find some arms. They're going to be a really good team. Uh, but Julian, uh, five for twenty-two. That's you know, another guy. It's really really struggled here in in the postseason. Also had a hit against Coastal Carolina, so just four hits. Uh, in the most recent uh, you know, five games in the NCAA tournament. This has not really worked out well. So that's two guys, and they were hitting you know, five and six. They have kind of shaken the order up just a little bit. But there's a couple of guys in that order that have really struggled uh, to find a way to put the ball in play. Uh, Rankin Woolley, first baseman, very, very talented player for them. Junior college transfer, he's had some big games for them. 10 of 26 uh, in the regionals, 10 of 26. In the the two weekends at NCAA tournament, uh, Stephen Williams is a guy that has really been hot for them as well too. He's uh, nine of twenty five sophomore Stephen Williams, but he got four hits against Coastal Carolina, so four hits. So yeah, the numbers look pretty decent, but he had one great game, you know, four for five with five RBIs and scored a couple runs against against Coastal, but it's been a little hit or miss since then a little bit of hit or miss since then, you know, has had a hit in every game except for the last, I think I thought everybody got a hit against North Carolina in game three, but he but he did not. But uh, a guy that consistently puts the ball in play, doesn't always have a lot to show for it, but uh, had a big game against Coastal. And then center fielder, Cason Howell, he's the guy that's kind of hiding down there. He is an, an impressive freshman. He's, he is a the guy they're expecting big things from. Uh, seven of 23, seven of 23, also did have the one hit there against Coastal Carolina. but uh, So they get a good start there. But here's one of the things. You, you kind of begin to get inside the numbers and really look at this thing and, and see if you can kind of figure out, you know, some patterns and look for, uh, you know, some, you know, kind of the game within the game. And so, um, you are looking at the way that the regular season ended. So and I want to make sure that I preface this by saying the numbers I'm about to share with you, these are numbers that were through the regular season. They don't include, you know, the numbers, you know, because North Carolina really struggled in a couple of games against Auburn in the Super Regional, gave up a ton of runs. Uh, but these are numbers regular season, okay? So I want to make sure that we do, that's this is the full body of work prior to postseason. Auburn has found some offense, and they have been kind of a middle-of-the-road offense and at times been one of the, wor- the worst offenses in the league this year. They figured some things out late, but they scored a bunch of runs in the postseason. But here's one of the reasons why: Coastal Carolina. You know, we, I mentioned that game a lot. but I think it's important because that was, you know, one of their biggest offensive outputs uh, of the, really of the season. They really, really put the ball in play and really, really made uh, Coastal play. 18 hits, guys. 18 hits, 16 runs. They win the game 16 to 7. 18 hits in the ball game, right? Coastal Carolina's ERA. They're Team ERA this year is good for 217th in the country. Number 217 in the country. And you recall Auburn had to beat Georgia Tech two games and to win that regional, and uh, and they they did it. They they went to Atlanta, and they they beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's ERA good enough for 111th in the country. They go take two out of three for North Carolina. You recall North Carolina got a 2-0 shutout in Auburn in game two. North Carolina, 74th in the country in uh, Team ERA. Mississippi State, Sunday's opponent, 19th in the country in Team ERA. 19th. 19th. A stark difference from uh, the teams that uh, Auburn has played in the tournament to date going to see a much different deal on Sunday night. So there are a lot of people that say, well, you know, Auburn is kind of a team on a mission. You know, every team out there, every team in Omaha thinks, you know what, we're a team of destiny. There, there has been some moment, there's been somebody make a play, there's been something weird that's happened, there's been a ball, fall, you know, find a the gap, there's been something crazy that's happened for everybody that makes everybody feel like, you know what, this is our year. Uh, Auburn I don't know that this is their year. I think next year could be a really good year for them, but they're here, and while their uh, regular season record is uh, the least impressive in the field, we talked about this some on Wednesday. They are they're a team that uh, overall is 38 and 26. 38 and 26, and you, you you back that out of there, and you begin to think about you know what was that record you know <laughs> you know prior to the postseason, but 38 and 26. But heading into this weekend, they're 0-0. Doesn't matter how we got there, long as we got there, right? And so they're going to come out and feel like they've got a new lease on life. They're going to come out thinking, okay, we're a team that can make some things happen. We are a team that uh, has new life. And uh, despite our failings and despite all the things that we struggled with this year, we still found a way to make it to Omaha for the first time in 22 years. Looking at the Auburn numbers, Connor Davis leads the team with a 287 batting average. And and I think that is significant. Okay, they don't have a single hitter in the regular nine. It is hits, hits 300 or better. They only have two players on the team, even the reserves, that hit better than 300. One of those is Brody Moore, played in 13 games this year. Brody... Uh, is a, a cool nine for twenty-seven, hitting three thirty-three. Brett Olson is one for one, hitting a <laughs> thousand. But of the regulars, two eighty-seven is the lead batting average. This is a team that struggles to put the ball in play. Judd Ward hitting two eighty-three. We mentioned Ryan Bliss being a freshman, also right there two eighty-three. So you, you kind of get you know where I'm going with this. This is a team that. Um, The production is pretty even, and even if you look at the power numbers. You know, nobody has more – nobody has double-digit home runs, but you've got Steven Williams, Edouard Julian, Will Holland, all with nine, and then Connor Davis with seven. So you've got some guys with some pop. That's also going to be one of those things you begin to look at and factor in with TD Ameritrade. You know, how is the wind going to be blowing? If the wind is blowing in or if there is no wind, then the home run is really, you know – Difficult to come by. But this is a scrappy team. They don't run the bases exceptionally well. And I think if you look at these offensive numbers, you would look at this and say, okay, how in the world did these guys make it here? It's timely hitting. That's how they made it here. Good pitching, timely hitting. And if you go back and you think about some of the losses Mississippi State's had this year, you know, it's the lack of the timely hit that's what got you beat. But this is a very winnable game, and, and, and a lot of people are scared to say it. I will say it. Mississippi State got the most favorable matchup in the College World Series first round. It's nobody from Mississippi State's fault they don't advance to the next round. Mississippi State have a chance to play on Sunday, win that ball game, we turn around and play again on Tuesday. You win that ball game, you don't play again until Friday. A lot can happen, allowing the traffic clear. I mean, that's one of those things we talk about. That it's so important to win the first two games of an NCAA regional. It means even more now. The, the, the principle is the same. The impact is greater. Because if you throw Eaton Small on Sunday, if possible, if need be, you can bring him back on Friday and have him pitch. It's a completely different deal. It's a different deal because the way this thing is all spread out. It's not one of those deals to it. There's a lot more parity because of how they play the schedule. Now, it gets a little hairy when you get into the championship series because you're going to have some guys throwing on short rest because that, that that all begins, you know, a week from Monday. That's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday deal. You're going to play three, day, three games in three days. And that's, you know, everybody's going to need the weekend to advance. So there's going to be some, some pitching staffs that are really taxed and you get a little deeper into it. But because of the way they do it, you've got a chance that the bigger and better players get an opportunity to play and pitch. And so think looking at pitching, you know, for Auburn, uh, we, we know that uh, Jack Owen's going to be the starter. He did not participate in the series against Mississippi State in Starkville. He was injured. Didn't He's a normal Friday night guy. Just four and two on the year, and a lot of that, too, down the stretch has been because he has not been a big innings eater for them. Looking at his last couple of starts, uh, they've won his last two starts. He was not credited with a win in either one. Against Coastal Carolina, he goes three and two-thirds of an inning, throws 86 pitches, allows two runs on six hits. Against North Carolina, he goes five innings, 77 pitches, allows four runs on eight hits. The winner in both games was reliever Elliot Anderson, another another left-hander. Now it's one of those things too. When I began to kind of look at the numbers here, I said, you know, knowing Butch Thompson, I won't be the least bit surprised if he starts a lefty and then works a right-hander behind him, like you know, like like he did when he was Mississippi State. You know, you worked at Trevor Fitz, you know, Ross Mitchell, Chad Girardo type thing. Not the case with the Jack Owen thing, and so. Uh, Jack Owens is a guy we expect to see. He is a, he's a guy that gives up some hits. You know, he really is. He is a guy that's about a 6-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Doesn't give you a whole lot. He wants you to put the ball in play. But uh, he is a guy that, uh, you know, you can hit the baseball against him. Opponents are hitting 244 against him. But he's not a guy that you expect to go deep in the ball games. just That's just not... You know, as good as he is, that's just not been the makeup of things for him. You know, early in the season when Auburn was considered to have one of the best pitching staffs in the country, uh, you know, a lot of people you know kind of saw Jack as the centerpiece of that. Then he had that arm tightness that uh, limited him. And if you go back and look, I mean, it has just been one of those deals where he has just really struggled to put innings together. Uh, he, he does throw a complete game against Texas San Antonio, which that, that feels like forever ago, <laughs> and I'm sure it does to Auburn fans too. And, every, listen, everybody's a different team this time of year, but that, that ball game took place March the 9th, March the 9th. And then you get into, into this deal, and, and you go four innings against Tennessee. You go two and a third against Ole Miss, two and a third against Vanderbilt, five against Alabama, three and two-thirds against Georgia. You, you do get seven against LSU, and, and, then, and that was big. And then you then you come back in the SEC tournament and you throw five and two-thirds and then three and two-thirds against Coastal and five against UNC. So you're going to get into the Auburn bullpen, but it's almost by design. You know, It's not one of those things I'm sure they'd love to go with him as long as they can, but he is just not a guy that has great stamina. He's also a guy, too, that, that kind of runs his own pitch, count up a little bit. He is a guy at times that struggles to finish hitters, struggles to finish hitters. And, I, and I, that's the thing with Mississippi State hunting the fastball. It's one of those things, like you, you think about the Rowdy Jordans of the world. You know, Rowdy Jordan is a guy, it's very difficult to strike him out with a fastball unless you just absolutely fool him because he's going to sit heater, and if he can't handle it, he's going to foul it off, just like we saw this this past weekend, uh, you know, against Stanford. You know, Rowdy has that 10-pitch at bat, and even though he ends up getting out, it was one of those things, it was a statement of an at bat that we kind of let Stanford know, you know what? This guy's not going to be able to blow the fastball by us. I don't know what you guys are used to in the Pac-12, I know you feel good about throwing your best guy out here tonight, but he's not going to be able to establish the fastball against us and stay in the ball game. and that's what happened ultimately. You get him out of the ballgame, but I think the game really turned in many respects on that at bat with Rowdy. I think we, are, we really learned right then that he could not throw the fastball by us despite the fact that he was throwing 94-95. That fastball was flat. He wasn't getting good sync on that. And so as a result, uh, everybody gained some confidence. And and that's the thing about confidence. There's only so much confidence in the world to go around when it comes to the world of athletics because either you're gaining confidence or you're losing confidence. And that's what happened with with Kevin. The the more that he threw and the more that he realized that he could not throw the fastball by, by Mississippi State hitters, you could see in his body language. And as people begin to get frustrated, they begin to fatigue. And that's what happened. And so when you look at the situation with Jack Owen, we know that we're going to get into the Auburn bullpen. We know that we're going to see Elliot Anderson. I mean, you can go ahead and write it down. I'll be shocked if that's not what happens. Uh, but Jack will come out basically as an opener, try to get through the order once, maybe twice. I'm sure they'd like to go a little bit longer. Uh, but they'll try to get him to go through the order once or twice and then uh, turn it over to Elliot Anderson and, and then kind of see what happens. You know, Green Hill's a guy, Cody Green Hill's a guy that, that they've pitched a lot. And uh, you know, state really got after him, you know, in that uh in that ball game and we played them uh here in Starkville. kinda of, kind of running back on that. I mean, you know, he he was a good guy for a while, through through a couple of games. Uh if I'm, if I'm, he went two innings and give up one hit, comes back, goes two and a third on the Sunday game, gives up seven hits and five runs. You know, just kind of went to the well, just one too many times. But he's been a very, very, you know, solid pitcher for them. Uh, but, boy, you know, we won't see him, I guess, unless it's really like a save situation. But the bottom line is that um, this is an Auburn team that has played really well. And I am sure they would prefer to play somebody else. Because when you go back and look at this deal and you go back and look at what happened to Mississippi State in that Friday night game, Ethan Small pitches an outstanding game against Auburn an outstanding game against Auburn. And then because he's on a pitch count, because he's on a bit of a curfew, we have to lift him from the ball game. 99 pitches and Ethan comes out of the game with a 5-2 lead. You remember this, I'm sure. Greenhill got the save that night. But it was one of those games we got out and we got off to a good start. Tanner Burns was supposed to be their guy. We we, we rocked him. Absolutely rocked him. 5 hits, 5 runs. Three walks, had, did have four strikeouts, but um, he just he didn't do much to kind of you know keep Mississippi State out of you know off the scoreboard. But Small goes six innings, allows just two runs on three hits. Gives way to Lee Belt. Lee Belt does not have a good outing, gets up a couple runs. Barlow gets us out of that deal. Colby White does not have a good outing, and we lose the ball game 6-5. Just one of those deals where uh, things just didn't work out the way we had hoped. In that sixth inning, when we ended up pulling Ethan Small, he gives up back-to-back home runs. Then we pull him with a 5-2 lead. But we go get him. Just one of those things that happens. You know, he's cruising along. And the next thing you know, leaves a couple balls up. They hit a home run. You and I both know Ethan wants this one back. He'll get a chance to kind of remedy that on Sunday. But it was just one of those weird moments in baseball. They'll see a different Ethan Small, and we'll see a different Auburn team. But by and large, the numbers kind of show at this point you are who you are. They're not a great offensive team, and Ethan Small's pitching the best baseball of his career. I want to remind you guys when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is a place where the cool kids go to break bread. I'm going to encourage you every time that you're in Starville to go by. I, I am there regularly. We absolutely love it. You know, and some days you just got to treat yourself to a great restaurant quality hamburger. There are a few delicacies in life that uh, you just simply have to afford yourself, and that's one of them. And you know what? If you're a little bit health conscious and maybe it's not a cheat day for you, you can get a wheat bun. You can get no bun. You can have it served on a bed of lettuce. You know, the great pimentology, just how it is without the bun. You can have, uh, you know, they've got some great, the BLT salad is what I had the other day, and it's outstanding. You can have the, uh, you know, the, the grilled cheese sandwich. They call it, the, I guess it's the three cheese grill. It's incredible. A lot of great options to choose from. You can eat healthy. You can have the kale state salad. I mean, so it, there's something for everybody. You can even have a chicken wing. They advertise them as an appetizer. You can have them as an entree. They're not going to tell you no. Okay, it's not going to happen. It's a great place right there on university within walking distance of campus. We encourage you to go by, check it out. Be a part of all that. Love Bulldog Burger Company. They are the place in Starkville where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So uh, looking around a little bit here as we begin to kind of prepare for uh, the College World Series. But, you know, we know that uh, the pitching is going to be a lead in the College World Series. Everybody's got arms. Nobody makes it to this point without having one or two shut down guys. And so offense is going to be at a premium. And so the teams that are a little bit m- more balanced in their lineup, those guys are going to have a, an opportunity to advance, I think, with a greater regularity. And so just kind of looking at the numbers here, just so you, just so you guys know, and, again, these numbers are through the end of the regular season, so it's not like a, you know, a who's hot type thing. This is you know through the full 56-game schedule. Vanderbilt finished the regular season fourth in the country with a 319 batting average. Mississippi State finished 5th in the country with a three hundred sixteen batting average. Texas Tech, 17th in the country with a three oh one batting average. Pretty sizable drop off there. 23, 23 with a two ninety nine batting average. Uh, you know, it's, you begin to look at this stuff and you begin to think, okay, uh, you can see why pitching's at a premium. That's, uh, and that's Arkansas. I mean, you look at Arkansas, and, and they're a much different team away from their ballpark. But, uh, you know, two ninety nine batting average with them. uh Louisville, 292 batting average, 37th in the country. Michigan, 283 batting average, 67th in the country. Florida State, 268 batting average, ranked 145th. And then bringing up the rear, Mississippi State's opponent, uh, Auburn, two point two sixty batting average, 192nd in the country. So you kind of are who you are, but you begin to look at this thing and say, okay, if you have elite pitching and you go up against some of these offenses that have been somewhat challenged – you would think you would have an advantage. But then you look at what Michigan did against UCLA. UCLA had the, had the best, the lowest team ERA in the country. And Michigan goes in there and beats them in their place, two out of three games. Because anything can happen at this point. We can run all the numbers we want. We can talk stats. We can talk tendencies. We can talk trends. But at this point, you've established an identity. Now it's about going and playing your baseball. And one of the things that, that happens – there always seems to be a play or an inning or somebody does something that just really kind of you know puts things away. There's, there's a, a, decide, a a deciding play, a defining moment where people make or break the ball game themselves. I go back and think about that North Carolina game uh, last year in Omaha, and, and State just simply couldn't do anything offensively, and then the next thing you know – we get the bases loaded, and the number nine hitter in the order, Jordan Westbrook, hits a grand slam. And at that point, it seemed like Mississippi State was absolutely not going to be denied. That's exactly what happened. State ended up pounding North Carolina, absolutely pounding them uh, in, into oblivion. And we, defense is going to be one of those things that's going to be a premium. Defense is going to be one of the uh, always going to be an undercurrent, and it's because Mississippi State has played pretty well defensively as of late but there always seems to be at least one key error in every ball game and sometimes you're able to overcome it sometimes you're not but when you look at the full body of work I mean it's one of those things you begin to realize okay you